Hey, what's going on, good people? It's Gardner Douglas, your Oyster Ninja. I'm here with a celebrity. The one and only. Hers truly. Uh, Miss Black Foodie. Miss e- <laughs> Hold on, I, I got a whole, I got a whole, I got a whole intro. Oh, sorry. I got a whole. <laughs> okay, no, go no, you don't spoil the surprise now. You don't spoil it. <laughs> But it's all good. It's all good. So, uh, Miss Eden, right? Is it Eden or Eden? Yeah. Because uh, I've been watching a lot of videos, and I heard like people say Eden. I heard people say Eden. I think I heard you say Eden. Yeah, I confuse myself. It's both. So, because you're in the DMV, you could say Eden because you're you're probably around enough Ethiopians, so okay. you know <laughs> their names. But Eden is. It's the same word. It's just uh, the Ethiopian pronunciation. No, it's not the same word. It sounds different. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I'm sorry. I'm sorry, good people. So we got Miss Eden here. Of the 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 Eden, the foodie, black mm-hmm. foodie, owner, creator, creator of black foodie. That's crazy. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thank you. So you are the founder of uh, Black Foodie. Um, it spots like the best of, and I got this from your profile, by the way, if it sounds familiar, uh, <laughs> which spotlights the best of African, Caribbean, and Southern cuisine. Is that correct, ma'am? That's true. You've got such a radio voice. Like, I'm like, this is good. That's, yeah. that's what I do. That's what I <laughs> <Yeah>. do. <laughs> so, um, how in the world did you come up with um, Black Foodie? Like, what made you take the leap, first of all? Because, you know, a lot of people have great ideas and, you know, they they want to do these blogs and Instagrams and Facebook pages. and But, you know, they have a few good posts and then they kind of fall off. Like, what what was your fire, your burn that made you stick with it and become, you know, this Black Foodie is, like, large. It's, it's huge. Thank you. Um, it, well, a couple of reasons. So there's like two big reasons why I stuck with it and what inspired me to like keep pushing even when things got tough. And number, the first is I grew up in a family of foodies, people who love African food, who love, you know, the hospitality industry. Um, my family had an Ethiopian restaurant in my hometown in Canada um, back in the 90s. So as a kid, I grew up watching them serve and dry, watch my grandma package it and sell it. And like everybody in the family was involved in the business. Um, I was too young. I was just like looking on, but (laughs) like Mm -hmm, I watched them, you know, feed people and create like these really like happy moments for others. And then um, as a young adult, um, I moved to Toronto and I went out to celebrate my birthday and I just got met with some really racist white folks. And um, oh no. Yeah. And so my, my birthday was trash and it was, you know, it was really, um, it really stuck with me. And I was like, I was super upset. I was very angry at the fact that we could go dress up, you know, feel like we're going to have a great night out and then feel like we didn't belong and, or that, you know, made to look like we're going to steal or we're not good customers. Like just all the different stereotypes that come with being black. And that's exactly what happened with me. And it, it really frustrated me. And I couldn't let it go. I was like, this isn't fair. Um, and when I wrote about it on my personal Facebook, so many people reached out to me and told me 
similar encounters that they had had. And the saddest part was people were reaching out to me and giving me strategies like, oh, you got to make sure you dress really nice when you go to like a white restaurant or you got to make sure you put your purse on the, the table and your wallet so you, they know you're going to pay or like all these, all these really um, sad things to make people think you're good enough, you know, to be there. And I wasn't about that life. And it pissed me off that I was giving people money who did not care about us and that I didn't even go to restaurants like the ones that my, my family owned. I didn't go to black owned restaurants. I didn't know of many, um, or I thought they were, you know, just for takeout. Like I had, you know, internalized some of these beliefs right, and I right. wanted to change that. Yeah. So that's how black beauty started. That's uh that's, that's a sad story for one. Um, yeah. But of course, something great came out of it. So I guess we can look, you know, at, at that positive. Um, you know, I'm going to veer off right now. But like, since you've um, blown up and you've like got a million followers and um, I wish, like guys. <laughs> million. I don't know if it's up to 100 million yet. Um, have you gone back to that restaurant and say, hey, look what you did. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> nobody ever asked me that in my life that's so funny no I never went back it closed down <laughs> yeah I Actually, know why no, <laughs> I don't know if it was related to this but you know what's so funny I actually did the opposite I, I I actually completely avoided that neighborhood for like two three years like that's how deep it was for me like I just it, it upset me at my core like that I didn't ever want to go back to a neighborhood where I was going to be treated like that so no, I didn't actually. Yeah. So before this restaurant, like, had you had any other encounters that kind of like got the ball, the uh, the pot, like starting to boil a little bit, or was it just this one, just one hit, just took you over the top? <laughs> um, you know what's funny? Like, I so I lived in Michigan for a couple of years. I went to college there first, and um, yeah, like it wasn't like racism was something new to me. I definitely had experienced it. It was actually the reason why I. I, I transferred out. Um, I, I moved away from Michigan to another university in, in Canada. And um, so no, I think I was always ready to like speak up when I felt like there was something wrong. I studied sociology, I was interested in like fighting, mm -hmm. you know, injustice, but um, I never applied that lens to food. I never thought about the fact that I was so ashamed of packing African food for lunch. Like I didn't think about like, why do I feel like this? Why am I ashamed of my own food? Like I, I wasn't actually critically thinking about these things. That's a good thing. It, this woke me up to it. So, I mean, I'm just going to take a little deep question here, but like, where do you think that comes from? Like, you know, we're, we're ashamed to, uh, you know, represent who we are, be who we are. And then just like the people on your Facebook post, they're giving you tips like, Hey, you know, if you, if you, if you dress this way, or if you talk this way, you won't have any issues. Like, where do you think that comes from? Like, why is that? You know what? That's a great question. I feel like um, th this is just my opinion. I don't know. Of course, if, you know, of course. This is fact, yeah. of course. Yeah. But I definitely think because I was like, you know, the child of African immigrants, like a lot of the times, like the story that we're told is like, you know, be grateful. You have so much opportunities. You're born here. You don't have an accent. You speak, speak English well. You went to school. Like the doors are open for you. And they kind of like think like, you know, don't think like there's anything holding you back so they they want you to ignore race and ignore class and I'm like uh you know no matter what you think I'm still like <laughs> right you're I'm still, still feeling black. it yeah yeah I'm still feeling it they think that because 
we don't have an accent or because we didn't have to like go through all these hoops to immigrate here that we have it easier. And, and in some ways we do have it easier than they did, but it's still not the same. We still not accepted as like fully, like as Americans or as Canadians. What do you think? Yeah. Well, how, how do you, how are your parents like dealing with their uh, stardom now? Like, did, did they ever think, did you ever think that like black foodie would be on this huge platform? One, thanks for all the praise. We're not stars yet. I appreciate that. But Look, I'm, I'm just going to, exactly. I'm just going to keep speaking it. Let me speak it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> let, me, let me hope until, until it comes true. But essentially, they're actually incredibly supportive right now. At first, they were like, what are you doing with your life? Like, go get your master's. Right. You know, stop this foolishness. Because for them too, that was like, why would you choose to, to do like um, a labor type job? Like, or something like, why mm. not get something? you know, and the government is something they saw as secure. And I think a lot of African parents think that way. Um, but right now they're seeing like, oh, wait, she has this hustle and like people, um, it speaks to other people like they're, they're actually paying for it. You know what I mean? Like she can make money doing what she likes. And, and so I think now they're very, they're about it. They actually help me cook. They help me <laughs> in, in so That's many great. ways. Yeah. So yeah. how was the transition of um, going from, you know, just doing, well, actually, just tell me, like, how um, you started. Like, I, did it start from just, just that post, or did you, like, just start traveling and documenting, or just, could you share with the process a little bit? Yeah, so, um, for sure. So, I was very fortunate in that um, I've always I have, I have this huge, huge, you know, East African family, and I always had connections, like I had connections at the airport and everything. So I was able to travel a lot more freely, even though I was on a pretty tight budget. So mm -hmm. um, I was able to do a lot of things like, you know, just go and be like, oh, okay, I'm gonna go to New Orleans this weekend, because, because my homie from college lived there. And I have this hookup with the airlines and I've always never been bougie. So I would take spirit airlines and I would go, you know, um, on a mega bus and just do what I had to do to go to the places that I'd like. And, um, I think people really enjoyed seeing like these different pieces of black culture, um, that were representative of like the diaspora and that like, you know, showcased, okay, this is what we're eating in Chicago or this is what we're doing in Montreal or DC. And, so anyways, I was doing that without sponsorship. I was doing that without like having like any backing because I just did it on a budget. Mm -hmm. um, and then eventually like, you know, like last year and this year, then I started, you know, catching on to the game and realizing, oh wait, I can actually, you know, work with a, a tourism board. I can, I can work with an airlines, you know, like I can, um, I'm already bringing traffic to the story and teaching people why they should travel to these places. Um, I can actually like monetize this, you know, too, not just from food brands. Right. So that's where I, I started to learn like, okay, there's, you know, this connection between food and lifestyle. Um, but I, I don't know. I think I strayed from your original question. Um, no, no, basically, that's I, you know, cause yeah. that's what I wanted to pivot into. Um, yeah. basically monetizing your brand. Mm -hmm. Um, so I said, how did I get into that? Well, I, I have learned from my many mistakes. I have made lots of them. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I think now with Black Foodie, um, the way that we're monetizing our brand right now definitely is a lot through, um, through uh, brand deals, 
you know, reaching, we reach the consumers that they're looking for, Mm -hmm. um, but we do it in a way that's like natural and authentic. And we we're also black, like we're talking to people who we can relate to and who have some of the same tastes and interests as us. So we're able to like, you know, use that and go to um, companies and say, hey, you know, we can help you reach these people. But it is a challenge because um, for the most part, I'm, I lived in both worlds, like I would jump between the US and Canada. And in Canada, they were really reluctant to anything that was labeled black like in that way, it was really difficult Interesting. to get brand Yeah, yeah, it was, it was tough. But now things have changed. It's crazy, like, you know, since um, George Floyd um, was murdered, you know, unfortunately, like people started to wake up um, or they were pushed into waking up. I think they mm. were already, like, they knew it, but now there's this pressure from consumers too that like, hey, you have to do things differently. You have to actually have... Um, some diversity in your marketing plans and that's when we started seeing an overflow of brands like reaching out to us and asking us okay like how can we do this how can we do this better and good thing is we were prepared like before anybody was paying us we were doing this because we just truly believed in it so we were ready when they when they called i got i got a question to ask you You don't have to answer it you really don't um okay how do you feel about like the the companies that are just using this as uh you know just say oh we're doing it look hold on you can't you can't um boycott us look we we got our person you know what i mean <laughs> without getting very descriptive but like how do you feel about that i I feel very strongly against it like i actually have written some stuff on linkedin about this like about how brands um many of them are like talking about like supporting black lives matter and they're making donation like one-time donations to charities but they actually don't work with black contractors they don't work with black content creators they don't feature any black faces in their marketing campaigns they don't have them in their offices so i'm like you don't actually support black people living like you don't you just you just want to look okay on the internet and make a one-time donation because then you won't have to deal with black people in their actual real lives you know like you don't think we cook or we eat or we have fun or we have kids or we go to the park or you know what i mean like just like enjoy life too no doubt joy too that was a little powerful being black and i think that is is oftentimes ignored um yeah i just i had to close my book on that one it's getting a little deep (laughs) Okay, cool. So, um, wow. Uh, let me, let let me get back. Let me get back. Uh, so what other, what other, let's, Mm -hmm. let's soften the palate a little bit. What other passions do you have besides, uh, the food and everything? Did you hear me? Okay. Yes. Yeah, I did. I did. Sorry. Um, I, there's so many things that interest me. I am really, really passionate about travel. That's something that I've always loved to do. Uh, no matter how broke I was, I would <laughs> find a way to have a trip or go somewhere. And I, I really feel like passionate about African um, people in the diaspora having a chance to connect with their roots. Like I do believe like everyone should be able to, like if you descended from you know, the continent, like be able to go visit. Um, no matter where you go, like I really am passionate about people going back and seeing, you know, where their ancestors come from. Because when you do that, you'll have this much greater 
understanding and appreciation for who you are and how great your people are. Like you, you, you'll see the history, you'll see the, the, um, the resources, like how beautiful the land is. So that's something I'm very passionate about, but just like on a day-to-day basis, like hobbies and things. Um, I, I just, I'm pretty basic. I love comedy. I like to read, you know, What's on Netflix right now? Netflix. Oh my God. Actually yesterday I watched this really um, awesome film. It was, it was called uh, the Nigerian Prince. It was, it was really interesting. It was, it's actually about this theme. It was about this Nigerian American born and raised in America. And his mom sends him back home to Nigeria because he got in a fight. It's kind of like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, but like backwards. Like, yeah, yeah, it was good. It was really good. Great. Okay. Now, um, what does uh, what does food equality look like for you? Is that even a phrase? Food equality. Hmm. No, that's a good question. I feel like it could mean a number of things. I know that oftentimes, like people don't have access to fresh food and good food, like or nourishing food, and um, oftentimes the people that don't have access are people who are racialized black people brown people immigrants like they're the communities they live in might not have grocery stores um, or grocery stores that have fresh fruits like maybe it's you know convenience stores and um i mean i i definitely believe everybody should have access to nourishing food right. and i think people should have access to the their cultural foods too you know um but I think all of that kind of like goes back. There's a really great um, speaker on this. His name is Paul Taylor. He lives in Toronto. Um, but he just talks about how like people, you know, make donations of food, but they don't understand poverty is the reason people don't have access to food. Like you just need to have a more fair environment. Like people need to be able to have like good paying jobs so that they can eat well. They don't necessarily need food banks all the time, you know. Got you. Mm-hmm. You got some great answers. I might have some hard questions, but you got some great answers. Thank you. Now, um, you know, of course, I've been following you for a while. And um, well, well, first of all, let's, what's the, um, uh, the thing you have going on on your social media? I think it's like the cookout or it's like cooking competitions or something. <laughs> yeah. So Black Foodie had this, um, you know, uh, a cooking competition we had um a challenge every week or battle we called it the black booty battle um during covid we noticed everybody was in their kitchen you know people were creating dishes they might not have ever tried before but since they had more time or maybe they're trying to make their dollar stretch they were doing more creative things with their food Mm -hmm. and so we wanted to celebrate this and do it in a fun way where people would learn about ingredients that come from black food culture and um, so that's where the Black Foodie Battle came in. And we had so many cool contestants, people from like Australia, from the UK, from the South, like there was somebody from Bahamas. It was amazing to see like how diverse Black folks around the world are and what they're cooking. Nice. So <laughs> what is the big thing about, and I don't even know if I might pronounce your name right, but what is Jolof? <laughs> Jollof Wars, yeah. Um, uh, it's a it's a, a battle of this, right? Yeah. So that was so, like one of the first things we did. Like this is in 2016, 2015. I hosted a Jollof Wars like food battle, and it was so much fun. Like people, Jollof is it's a, a 
a rice, you know, that's cooked in a delicious tomato stew base. And across West Africa, you'll find different versions of this jollof. Like in Nigeria, it tends to be more spicy. In Ghana, I just think they do it right. In Ghana, I really love Ghanaian jollof. Um, like the spices that they use. And then like in um, Senegal, you'll find the original version where um, they have broken rice or fonio and they have fish that is um, placed on top. It's really beautiful. Um, and you eat it with your hands. Or you like It's something that you share with friends or you eat the, the, um, the Senegalese one with your hand, not the other ones. Um, but essentially every country thinks they have the best version and so people okay gotcha. you know have a friendly war yeah nice so mm -hmm. okay all right cool and uh food 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 just name some of the like well i guess some of the best places food has took you so far i mean i know you do a lot of traveling like what are some of the best places or locations you've been to um that's a good question i think I truly, I, I love um, Montreal and I encourage every American once the borders open up and everything's okay to go to Montreal right. at least once, <laughs> you know, because it, it's such a, you know, it is a, there's a huge black community there. I don't think people know that, you know, outside of Canada. Um, there's a huge Caribbean community, West Indian community, like um, Haitians, uh, French speaking African folks. So you'll find like all these awesome black owned restaurants that have foods that you might not have tried before, but are like so delicious. So I love Montreal, like some of the food options they have there. I really love Haitian food. If you ever go to my Instagram page, you'll see that I talk about it almost as much as I talk about Ethiopian food. So um, yeah, I love Montreal, but I think, um, I don't know, I love the South too. Like I love Atlanta. I spent a lot of time there. Um, I feel like I've had some of the best soul food in Atlanta and I always look forward to like going back and being able to like order things on a menu that you'll never find here. Like you're not going to find fried okra or like cornbread or mm. I don't know, mac and cheese maybe, but it's not going to be the same, but there are certain dishes like in the South that you can get that you just won't find here. Right. Right. So mm -hmm. what, what's your dream soul food plate? Oh, candy yams. Ooh. really Carl good sweet. mac and cheese yeah i like sweet so um and i feel like i'm gonna sound basic but you know i'd like a good fried chicken like <laughs> i want some fried chicken all right Ed, um, and that's the that's the, the end of the, yeah. that's the end yeah, of the podcast i gotta get you <laughs> out of here be like <laughs> time's up i feel you <laughs> sorry and that's a call um but yeah essentially there's I like the stuff that I like. It's not going to be something you haven't heard of. Like I, I, like, <laughs> I like fried chicken. I like mac and cheese. I like candy yams, cornbread, all mm, the good stuff. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. No doubt. You didn't ask, but I'm going to give you mine. Okay. Okay. All right. So I'm going to start with candy yams also. Okay. I got to have some cornbread. I got to have some turnip mm -hmm. greens. Put my greens on there. Um, okay. I'm going to go with, uh, what's going to be my meat? My meat will be, you know what? I got to have some, um, no, I'm, I'm going to leave that off. That's not on my dream plate. I don't know about my meat. I don't know. Because, like, like, I'm just thinking back to, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join you. 
I'm going to join a club too. <laughs> because if I could have some of my grandma's fried chicken again, that it was, it was like, mm-hmm. it was like no other chicken you ever had before. You know what I mean? I believe you. Those recipes you never get back. So I'm going to join the club. I never, I've never thought I would say that, but yeah, her fried chicken, not anybody's fried chicken. I feel you on that. It's so much, it's so different when it's like a family member or, you know, like somebody's grandmother cooking for you. It, nothing at a restaurant will ever compare. Right. Ever. Yeah. And it, it I, got, I got, go ahead. So I, I got, um, so I got lucky in having a like pretty diverse family. A lot of my or uncles married African Americans. So like during Christmas and things like that in Chicago, I'd get to eat a lot of soul food and like I felt like I got the good stuff. You know, it was so much better than the restaurants. Right. That's great. So what are the uh some of the great things uh black foodie is doing right now? Um, great question. A lot of things right now we are um something big that we we actually haven't al- announced online yet but we will soon so i'll put it up here um <laughs> we're doing um like a black foodie week um in toronto in the in late september and we're really going to be celebrating black food culture all week we'll have restaurant listings so some of the things that would be in a restaurant week but um we're going a bit deeper in having um some really amazing panels, some really cool food demos. And we really want to kind of like wake Canada up to the fact that, you know, we have this amazing food culture. Like it's, um, we want them to go beyond posting lists because Mm -hmm. that's been what's happening so far. It's like, Hey, here's this list of black owned businesses that I'd never go to. And I never go into these neighborhoods and I don't even know a black person, but I'm going to post this link. I'm like, no, if you know, you need to go deeper. like actually understand what makes, um, soul food, soul food, or understand why Ethiopian coffee is so unique, or, you know, like some of the things that are so um, different and interesting and amazing about our food culture, because when you get people to understand that, then they're going to be willing to pay the price for it. They're going to be going and seeking out these products and actually supporting black businesses instead of just sharing lists, you know? Yeah. All right. So, uh, Edin, thank you so much. Um, if, if Did we cover everything? You covered everything. Thank you so much for your energy. This is so much fun. I have a question for you. Uh-oh. If you don't mind. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I want to know. Um, I want to know about your, uh, like, the oyster game. Like, what got you into it and, and everything? So, um, the oyster game. Um my dad taught me how to shuck oysters. Hold on, you want the short version or the long version? I'm the long version. Okay, all right, cool. Um, so, my dad was a, a nationally ranked oyster shucker. He still, com- no, well, he doesn't really compete anymore. Uh, I guess I mm-hmm. took that over. Um, but yeah, he used to compete. Um, I met my dad when I was in my uh, 20s. And like, soon as we met, he taught me how to shuck oysters, pretty much like a year or so after. Um, cause I needed money and, uh, I stayed on the Eastern shore. That's where I'm from the Eastern shore of Virginia. And, um, it was, it was a good way to make money. And then I just kind of fell in love with it. He took me to a bunch of, uh, oyster on bull roasts, like firehouses. And, uh, he saw I could handle myself and, um, I just kept shucking and got better at it. And then I deployed to Afghanistan in 2013. And when I came back, I wanted a stress-free job. 
So I started looking for oyster shucking, uh, oyster shucking jobs. And I was in Virginia Beach at the time, but like the people there, uh, they didn't want to pay me any money. So um, I started looking for jobs in D.C. because before I left, I was selling crabs in D.C. at the wharf. And uh, I was like, well, OK, I can go up there. And then um, I found a job, went up there, started working at Rappahannock and Union Market. And um, started an Instagram page. And started getting some likes, some follows, and then I met local oyster in Baltimore, and then they we started doing events together, and then I don't know. I think oh my first event, I'm not even gonna call it an event. Um, these people I met at the bar, they wanted me to come to their house to shuck oysters, and basically not even shuck oysters. They wanted me to come there because I, I kind of told them I had been doing it all along, which I hadn't, but I knew I could do it. <laughs> Um, so I was like, yeah, I can, I can, I can teach your friends, you and your friends all about oysters and how to shuck them. And we just drink wine and have a good time. And that's what I did. And we had a great time actually. And, um, from now I was like, hold on, this is, this, I think I could do this again. So I started telling more people that I, oh yeah, I do it all the time. And I started doing it all the time and, you know, just speaking things into us existence, uh, Miss Worldwide, uh, foodie, um, <laughs> Uh, and I, uh, oh, and then, uh, what, 2015, that's when I, uh, went to the national competition and my first year competing, I played six and that's six out of like, I don't know, it had to be like 40 shuckers. So that's how I became a nationally ranked oyster shucker. And then, um, I just kept going. I, I just played on that nationally ranked oyster shucker, even though like, I never really got like locally, like, uh, I guess media. It was just all me shooting it out, shooting it out, shooting it out. I'm always, you know, I don't wait for people to tell my story. That's what I learned. You can't wait on people to tell your story. You got to tell your own story. So uh, that's that's what I do. I tell everybody my story. (laughs) 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 And hopefully one of these days, somebody start telling my, you know, along the way, I've had maybe four or five people, you know, do like little short documentaries. uh, And that's been fun. But yeah, that's that's the Oyster Ninja. That's amazing. I love it. I love how you just like put yourself out there and then you like actually roast the top. Um, that, that takes confidence. And I am somebody who um, I'm not a big oyster fan. So I'm <laughs> glad I met you. I know because maybe you can change that. <laughs> oh, no. So okay, that's the second straight. I, that's the I know. I think I had actually in New Orleans, they were like, oh, we have these barbecue oysters. And then mm-hmm. they had like fried ones. And I, and I actually enjoyed those ones. Like oh, yeah. Those, are good. That's the, those it, were good. It's honestly, it's like, uh, that's the gateway drug is fried oysters. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. We it, hope. It, it made me, <laughs> it opened up my eyes to hmm, maybe I do like this. Right. Um, so I think I need to give it another try and stuff. Um, well, and hopefully we, the next, yeah. When you decide to try, let me know, and hopefully I can make you a yeah. believer. Yeah, for sure. And when you, um, I'll hop on offline for this, but like for sure, I'd love to have you like on Black Foodie, you know, give it oyster <sighs> tips and stuff. You guys heard yeah. it here first. I'm all the way on the microphone. <laughs> yeah. No, no, for real. I think it's it's awesome. We we gotta get you up there as an expert and like talking about oysters. And now that I'm thinking about it, wait, did you work? Wait, was there like a juice bar at Union? Oh yeah, Goshen. Is that what you're saying? Goshen was uh, at uh, Union Market. Yeah, 
was that but that wasn't where you were at no i worked at union market i mean i worked at uh rapid hannock the oyster bar rapid hannock okay got you okay i'm still trying to place in my mind i'm like where did i see you but um yeah okay awesome awesome we're gonna have you on black foodie we're about to have some oyster sessions Boom. and yeah <laughs> i wish i had and one of those I'm little like, blow horns <laughs> I love it. Yeah, we're going to do it. Um, so thank you so much for having me. And thank you to your audience for listening to my story. I appreciate you guys. No doubt. Thank you so much. And until the next time, guys, you heard it here first. I'm going to be on Black Foodie. And and she's going to make me uh, get verified on Instagram. Just <laughs> you you got to do comedy. <laughs> Yo, it is so tough. Oh my gosh, this is like a offline conversation, but I don't know how we got it. Legit, I just applied because we tried so many times. <laughs> What's that? So just just apply. Uh, no, to to get verified, just apply. Oh, okay. but I don't know how I we got it. I wish I had a, a plug. I'm trying to get verified on my personal platform. Actually, it's cool. It's cool. I was, I was yeah. just joking. It's all right. No uh, worries. No worries. But but thank you guys. Um. Oh. Um. Uh. Ed, where can we find you on social media? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at blackfoodie.co. Um, the website is also blackfoodie.co. And if you want to find me personally, um, you can follow me at Eden the Foodie or Eden the Foodie um, on Instagram and uh, Twitter and TikTok. I forgot TikTok. That's actually oh, where I post a lot. TikTok. I love TikTok. Yeah, TikTok is fun, man. If you guys aren't on it, it's so much fun. Oh, I got one last question. Because yeah. I was Googling in and YouTubing you. Are you are you DJ Eden also? What's up? Is that the same person? Uh, <laughs> no. No, that is so funny. Hey, just um, I know exactly who you're talking about. No, there is actually another person named Eden Hago. So to give you guys context, my name is so common in Ethiopia and Eritrea. It's like Jane Smith or like mm. it's it's a very like it's a basic name. I'm gonna keep it real. So there's there's a lot of other Eden Hagoses. There's one that's a really talented DJ. There's another who's like a social activist. Like there's there's other people with the same name as me. Yeah, uh, yeah I saw the social activist also. I was like, okay, that could work. But DJ, okay, all yeah, right. I wish. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't know nothing about that. All right, yeah. cool. Let's end it here. Thank you guys for listening to the Oyster okay. Ninja podcast. Um, go get you a Black Foodie t-shirt or something. I'm sure you can find it on the website. I'm going to order mine too. But until the next time, thank you. Um, peace, love, and um, shuck out. I wish I had some thank music to kind of end it, but I don't. <laughs> it's okay. Thank you so much. When you release it, let me